0: All right, we're gonna preach. Uh, I'm gonna to preach to you tonight, and I've got something I want to say. But we're not gonna be long, all right? In theory, unless I get really excited. Um, I I have something, just a small thought, a small idea, that I've kind of been feasting on the last couple of days, and I thought, you know what? I I, I want to do my best to articulate this because it's not it's not one of those things that's easy to articulate or to to really. You know know how to present it well, but I know it's true, and I know it's something that if we will get in our system and believe, that it's going to help a lot of us. And so I'm going to try to teach and preach this the best that I can, and I'm going to just pray that the Holy Spirit makes up the difference for what I don't say or what I should have phrased differently. Um, this, uh, I, I have, I, I guess, I, I was reading a story today and it made me laugh so I want to make you laugh with it how's that I was reading a story today about a pretty um rambunctious teenager that decided that he was going to grow his hair long and he wanted to have that long hair I'm going to be in a rock band look now I know some of you probably have noticed I haven't cut my hair for a while I'm not talking about me and it's getting pretty long that's not what I'm talking about. This is just called being busy for two over two months. Um, but there was this teenager. And he said, "I, you know what? I'm just going to grow my hair long and get, be in a rock band and take off mom and dad and, and and all that." And so dad did everything he could to get his son to cut his hair. He's like, he said, "Listen, you know, he he tried every he tried being nice. trying tried being the good cop, the bad cop. Trying doing everything he could to get his son to cut his hair." And uh, he didn't want to force him, but he wanted to make the decision on his own. He said, come on, son, cut your hair. You're never going to get a job looking like that. You're never going to be respected. looking." he's tried everything he possibly could. Finally, it came time for the young man to get his license and uh, get a car. And he needed mom and dad's help. And dad said, I've got it. He said, "Uh, I'll let you get your license and mom and mom and me will help you buy a car. But you've got to cut your hair. And he said, come on, dad. He said, come on, I don't want to do that. He said, Jesus had long hair. Right, whatever. And his dad said, "Yeah," and he walked everywhere he went. <laughs> so, you kids want to pull the old Jesus trick? That's that's for you. <laughs> it has nothing to do with my sermon, but I thought I'd tell you that. Uh, you better watch out if you use that excuse, right? <laughs> um, I I have been, over the last couple of months, kind of going on a journey, my wife and I, with everything we've been dealing with, and I've really been feasting off of this stuff in my own life, and I, and I want to bring you guys along with this journey as we've been, what I've kind of coined, hashtag discover love, as we've been discovering God's love um, from Him and from, from you all, and um, we've just experienced such an overwhelming sense and, of God's love for us. But so much of it has not been transmitted um, to us or been felt by us by some just abstract spirit that's come down. We felt the love of the Father, but really God's love has been communicated to us um, primarily through you. Through people, many of you that are here tonight. And um, I want to tell you a little bit to kind of set up what I want to tell you. I want to tell you a little bit of what's gone on. But in when when my wife and I um, went through this this journey together and, and she delivered Madeline who's doing great, um, we immediately moved out of our house in Venice and moved into an apartment next to my parents' house that my grandma was living in. But she passed away a month before that, and um, she would have been a hundred uh, eight days before Madeline was born. So it was all kind of happened back to back and. So this apartment on next to my parents' house that's attached that my grandma and grandpa built um, over 20 years ago, I guess, right? Um, so they could come and move down, um, was empty. And it's this little, you know, little tiny apartment. And, and Estrella and I moved in there because for a couple of reasons. A, we, we live probably 45 minutes from the hospital, and we knew we would have to go all the time. And my mom lived about, depending on who was driving, but if it was me, about seven minutes. <laughs> But it should be probably 10 minutes from the hospital. And um, also, we knew there were times where both of us would need to be there. And my mom and dad were home. And they could watch Lainey while we were both there at the same time, whether it was talking to a doctor or, or there for a test or a procedure. And, and so we moved in there almost immediately and literally left our house in Venice, which is a lot to upkeep, left it. I mean, it was like left. If there was dishes to be cleaned, the dishes were there. If there was laundry to be done, the laundry was there. It was like, it was like we got raptured <laughs> because as soon as we left there, I mean, there was very little time to go back and do anything. And in this process, we had some people that just so lovingly stepped up and out of the just abundance of their love and their hearts, they said, we will do anything we can to help you. And we had people go down there and scrub toilets and sweep floors, and iron shirts, and do laundry, and and just things that you would think to yourself are the most insignificant things, things that any of us could do for one another in times of need. Uh, people brought us food. Uh, the Santelli's would bring us food on Sundays, and um, I, I wanted to get this 30 year old Berber carpet out of her bedroom because they told us this, the place we were bringing her to need to be as hypoallergenic as possible. And how many of you know 30 year old Berber carpet is not hypoallergenic? It's the exact opposite. And so we wanted to put down some floors, and, and Charlie helped us put down floors. And then our drummer back here, Andrew, came and painted the walls inside of it for us. And, and his wife helped us clean. And, and Sarah and Kevin came down and helped us clean. And then our, we had two dogs down there. I'm telling you this for a reason, not just to brag on these people. I had Two dogs down there that, that we just left. We couldn't bring them to mom's. There wasn't enough room. There wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, we couldn't, just couldn't do it. And they're a little crazy too. That's part of it. So we had to leave the dogs down there by themselves. And Deanna Jeffries went there every day for a long time on our way home from work or on her way to work and fed the dogs and played with them and watered plants and, you name it. It's like people just without anybody asking them inherently just took over doing these things at our house without asking for anything, without stopping by my office and saying, hey, did you appreciate what I did for you? They just did it out of the abundance. And it was, it struck me and my wife so profoundly that, you know, and and what my mom and dad had done for us and my mom would just tirelessly watched my daughter, and you think, well, she's family, but if you saw the sacrifice she made, it was more of just an obligatory family-type sacrifice. She just went above and beyond to help us, and mom and dad bought us things that we needed specific for the baby that weren't cheap, and it was just that kind of sacrifice from both family and friends and church folks, and my wife and I sat and looked at it, and we were just completely blown away and our hearts were so impacted by this. And I'm I'm telling you this for a reason, so stay with me. And then a couple days ago, I was sitting down with one of these people that did so much to help us. And if I missed anybody that helped, I'm sorry, I'm just a scattered brain. But thank you all that helped. And I, we we were sitting, I was sitting down with somebody that helped us so much. She went down to the house three or four different times. As we were doing the construction up in the room, she would help come and clean up and get everything ready. and it just, I, I can't even describe to you how much she did to help us. And she, we're sitting down with her, and she was just talking about she's been in the Lord for years. And she's been in levels of leadership, and she's been in different places of leadership in churches, and she's been here, and she's been there. And she's just been around the block and been a part of churches and knows the good, the bad, and the ugly And she said, I've been on a journey lately, and I've been asking the Lord this question. This is what I want you to really hear. She said, I've been asking the Lord this question. What have you called me to do? How many of you have ever asked asked the Lord that question? Not like, okay, Lord, I know you called me to raise this, you know, dead, heal the sick, all that. I mean, I mean, have you ever had a face-to-face conversation with the Lord you said, Lord, what, is, what have you really called me to do? And she said, I've been on this journey and I've been asking the Lord, what have you really called me to do? And she said for a couple of years, she's been praying this and the Lord didn't say anything to her. And she said, recently, the Lord answered her and the Lord said, I've called you to be a helper. And she was like, really? After all these years of serving you, you've called me to be a helper? And she was kind of disappointed. How many of you would be honest with me and say you'd be disappointed after years and years if that's what the Lord answered you? I mean, maybe apostle, bishop, missionary, evangelist, prophetess, treasurer, she said, the Lord said, I've called you to be a helper. And she was like, she was, she was disappointed. I mean, she was like really disappointed. And she said, she felt a very gentle rebuke from the Lord. And the Lord said this to her. The Lord answered her back and said, isn't it good enough for my Holy Spirit? For those of you who don't know, the, the Lord, God calls the Holy Spirit Our helper. He sent the Holy Spirit to help us. He's a comforter and a helper. I'm going to talk about that a little more on Sunday. But I want to talk about you and me for a moment. That's that's that'll hit you right here. Isn't it good enough for my Holy Spirit? And I thought, you know, every single one of us in this room, I'm gonna read scriptures so nobody get nervous. I'm just having a conversation. Every one of us in this room have something that we could do to help somebody else in this room. I thought about this. You know, church has become so commercial. I'm just being real with you. I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about the church. And it's become a, a, a service that we provide. And you all are the customers. And there's lots of books written about it, how to get more customers. And all we do is mask it in religious terms. Get more customers. Have better this. Have better that. Have the right paint scheme. Do this. Do that. Do this. And I got to be honest with you. It's all wrong. Because you don't pay your tithes to hire a staff so that we will serve you. Now, you should have a staff that wants to serve you right? No doubt about it. If you're in ministry and you're not a servant, then you're not in ministry. But really, what you should want out of your leadership is you should want your leadership of your church or your small group or whatever you're a part of, you should want your leadership to focus on creating and establishing and facilitating an environment where you all can serve each other. See, the body of Christ is not the staff. See, this is one of the Wednesday night sermons. Can't do this on Sunday. You won't have a church. You know what I mean? But I'm going to get them on Sunday too. You don't worry. The body of Christ is not the staff. The body of Christ is not the administrator. The body of Christ is, we have a part to play. The body of Christ is you. Are you with me? And so if we don't create and facilitate in an environment where you can serve one another, where she needs her house painted and you paint, where you might have a teenage daughter that needs to be mentored and she might have the time to do it and the love to do it. We all have something to put into the exchange of this community, this body of Christ. There is an exchange that happens in a healthy community where I have something to do, I have something to offer. And I want to tell you this, and this is why I told you the whole history of what's happened the last two months and the people that have helped us. What they did for me and my wife ironing a shirt, sweeping a floor, the things that you and I would say are small, insignificant, below me. I wouldn't do that. That's, that's crazy. Why would anybody? Those simple little things that nobody else saw and nobody would know about if I wasn't up here preaching about it, those things meant more to me and my wife and had a greater impact on my heart than a thousand sermons. They impacted me and made me feel something that I haven't felt listening to a thousand Bill Johnson sermons or whatever else. I could have written 50 songs and played them, and they would have had the same impact that these folks had on my heart because they said, I will, I will meet your need in your desperate time of trouble. I will be there. I don't care what it looks like. If I've got to do laundry, if I've got to clean up after your dog, I don't care what it is. I'm willing to do it because I want to help you, because I love you, and I care about you. I want to make sure you're okay. That kind of love and affection for one another is what being a church in the body of Christ is all about. It's the willingness to say, you know what? I don't know what I'm called to when it comes to some great ministry title, but we're all called to be workers in his kingdom. We're all called to help. We're all called as helpers. And what's crazy is we have so often been on the opposite end where we've been figuring out how to meet the need of somebody else. And thank the Lord we've had an opportunity to do that. But when you're on the opposite end, you really then realize how much it means. Because, you know, somebody will say, oh, that meant so much. Thank you so much. And you're thinking, yeah, okay. You know, they expected me to do it. But when you're on the opposite end and you're desperate and you have, no, you, there, I mean, you have no other options and somebody comes along and says, I'll do that for you. I'll send a meal to your home. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll stop by and feed your dogs. Whatever it is, when somebody does that and you're like, I don't, I don't have any other option and somebody meets that need without the return of anything else, without asking for anything else, that has a greater impact on your heart than anything you could ever get from a five-fold minister. I'm not discounting the fivefold, but I've had more prophetic words than I think I could ever write down, and yet all of those have had less of an impact on my life than what happened in the last two months. So explain that to me. And if we all sit and come to church and like, I'm going to have a prophetic gift and I'm going to have an apostolic gift and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, That's wonderful. If God's put that in your heart, go for it. But don't forget what you can do tomorrow. Don't forget what you can do today, tonight, this weekend. Don't forget that you have stuff to offer right now. Before any great prophetic gift explodes in your life, you have something to offer the kingdom of God right now. Whether it's serving somebody else, whether it's becoming a part of something that's going on in the body of Christ that's helping other people. Be, do something with what God's given you. The scripture in Matthew, see here comes the scripture, the token scripture. Now, I've got plenty of scripture, but we're going to get to most of them on Sunday. Scripture that comes to mind that most of you know, Matthew 9, 37 and 38, it says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, I'm not rewriting the Bible here, and I don't want to get in trouble with any of you great theologians. But I just wonder, I'm just proposing an idea. I wonder that if I would have taken the time to research this, which I will between now and Sunday, I wonder if you research that word workers, if it's specifically talking in in reference to the laymen of the church. I wonder. It doesn't mention anything about the apostles. It doesn't say we need more preachers. It doesn't say we need more missionaries. It just says we need people, workers, that'll get their hands dirty and get in the field. I'm not rewriting theology here. I don't want to do that. But I'm just proposing. Could it be that God knew there would be a shortage of people that would say, you know what? I have something to offer. I have something to give. And I'm willing to get my hands dirty and do it. Because, folks, that's what we have a shortage of. We don't have a shortage of people itching to get in the pulpit. And if you're itching to get in the pulpit, go ahead, let her rip. If you saw the looks I got and read the letters I received and my dad received, you'd be like, nope, no thank you. I only, yeah, we'll sell you this one. You can have your own pulpit at home and you can preach at your neighbor's. $1,000 will sell you this right now. It's broken or broken in? We have broken in. There's an anointing on it, all right? But it's the thing is, is that I want to reframe and restructure what we're going for, what we're aiming for. Because many times, you know, years into people's walk with the Lord, we refocus and we decide, you know what, if I don't become an itinerant minister, if I don't become an evangelist, if I don't become this, that I haven't reached the pinnacle of my Christian life. And the truth of the matter is that stuff plays such a small part and the real stuff that's impacting people's lives around the world. The people that are going to have the biggest mansions in heaven are going to be the people you've never even heard of. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 16, put this up on the screen. See if you've heard of any of these people. I commend you, our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Sencria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, that you help her in whatever matter she may have need need of you. For she she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, (laughs) my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only did I give thanks, but also to all the churches of the Gentiles. Also, greet the church that is in their house. Greet Epinetus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved, greet Apellus, the approved in Christ, greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of narcissists. I, I can't, I don't know what goes on in the house of narcissists, but it can't be good. Who are in the Lord? Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved who had worked hard in the Lord. And this goes on and on and on and on. How many of you ever heard of these people? You've got, you got, you even got Rufus in there. And Bubba and all of those guys. And Uncle Si and never mind. <laughs> right? Nobody's ever heard of them, but they got their name in the Bible. Do you know why? Because they helped. I'm sure there's a lot of apostles and a lot of missionaries and a lot of other people who did something during these times when these were when the Bible was being written and recorded during these times who never got their name in the Bible. These people did Paul recognized them for he took 16 verses of one of his letters here, one of these these great letters that we 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 base our theology and our gospel on. He took 16 verses, not one, to highlight person after person after person. I think all of them, but maybe one, it references how they had worked so hard, how they had helped so much. Paul takes time out to recognize them for a reason because there is power in what they did. You're trying to convince me, pastor, that there's power when I pick up a broom? You're trying to convince me that there's power when I provide a Christmas for kids who don't have Christmas, or help a widow, or you're telling me there's power when I serve in Sunday school? those hoodlum kids? Just kidding. If you're a parent of one of our kids, you have a hoodlum on your hands. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that the impact that you can have for the kingdom of God is so exponentially beyond what you could ever imagine in the simplest things and the smallest things, the things that you and I would just pass up as ah uh, I could have the apostolic thus saith the Lord over my life prophetic. Brother, you are going to the nations and accomplish. And that's wonderful. Thank you. I want to go to the nations. But right now, I have a house falling apart. Right? You might be be in the middle of a battle with your spouse. You might be in the middle between jobs. You might have been laid off. You might be this. You might be that. It's wonderful to get a prophetic gift. But what about right now? And the truth of the matter is there's somebody across the aisle from you that has what you need. And we can help one another. We can serve one another. You might be like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop and not be able to teach a Sunday school class if your life depended on it, but there's something you can do for the kingdom of God. There's something that you have to offer right now, something that doesn't require anyone laying hands on you or knighting you or you receiving a certificate. There's something you have to offer right now. Sometimes it's the most simple things. I have folks that'll come to me and say, um, do you mind if I paint that shed back there? I'm like, no, I don't mind. Is, does it need to be painted? I haven't been back there in a while. Yeah, it needs to be painted. It's rusting really bad, and, and I have paint, and I, that's what I do for a living, and I'd love to paint it. And I'm like, for nine months, I've been looking at that shed thinking to myself, oh, somebody needs to paint that. And I want to look at them and say, what took you nine months? And oftentimes it's because they think it's a shed in the back of the church. Nobody sees it anyways. And they see it as something insignificant and, you know, I'm not going to bother the pastor or whatever. But do you know how much these simple things mean to the kingdom of God? If the body of Christ is made up of many parts, how visible is the heart? Does the liver ever see the light of day? Do the kidneys get a spotlight Are his or her name in lights? But how vital is your heart? How vital is your kidneys? How vital is your liver? How vital is your brain? And yet, there's no accolades. There's no, there's, it's not visible to the outside eye, but I'm telling you, there are things that you can do for the kingdom of God that may never land you on a platform or may never land you in front of 10,000 people in, in Angola or something like that, but that are so important and vital to the body of Christ functioning and working. And I want to propose this to you will have a greater impact than some of the things you and I are wishing and hoping would happen in our lives. Do you believe me tonight? I have a couple more things I want to say to you and then... We're going to wrap up here soon. It's a simple thought tonight, but one that I believe that if you and I can embrace together, if you and I can really become fully convinced that God has something for me to do right now, that I can offer, that I can bring. And I I think that, that we could really create something special. My vision for the, this body is to see us serve one another and meet each other's needs and build one another up and sharpen each other. That, that it not have to be this, this you know, this, what is it, a monocracy or whatever it is, where it's just one person ruling and everybody just does what they're told and sits in their seat. And Why can't we love and serve and encourage one another as the body of Christ and f- fulfill our role. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What is it that I can bring to the table? What is it that I can, what, what function of this body am I? Because I promise you, our answer is yes, come on, bring it. Do it. As long as you don't paint it purple. that's Van Wazel has a patent on that color. No offense to your beautiful color tonight, my dear. It's a lovely shirt or jacket you have on. <laughs> my dad's want one say it so he can get mad at him. <laughs> or my brother over here. But what is it that we can bring? What is it that you can bring? What is it that you can you can exchange in the kingdom of God. And here's the thing. Who's sitting next to you that's in desperate need? Who's sitting a couple seats away from you or the row in front of you or the row behind you that is in desperate need? And that one simple act that might seem simple to you, that might seem insignificant to you, may have a greater impact on their life than everything I've said for the last three years. Is it possible? Yep. And the truth of the matter is that there is a, an incredible harvest that's waiting for us out there. There is a harvest. The, the field is ripe. It is ready to be picked. It's ready to be collected. But oftentimes, The harvest is so much bigger than the number of people that are simply just willing to say yes and bring to the table what they have. People that will say, hey, listen, I don't know if you can need this or use it, but this is what I have to offer. This is what I do. This is what I can help with. Show me what I can do. And when that happens, when that connection starts to happen, a couple of things happen. The kingdom of God is advanced. People's lives are touched. There's a harvest that's brought in. And at the end of the day, you see this harvest that is now brought in for the kingdom of God. You've seen this advance. You've seen this happen in the kingdom of God. And at the end of the day, you look at it and you realize, I did this. I had a part in this. And you go to sleep that night thinking to yourself, why didn't I do this a year ago? I didn't realize that all it took was me just to say yes with the small gift that I have, the thing that maybe I've said, ah. I didn't realize this is all God was waiting for is me to go, yeah, I'll bring that. The Bible says the laborers are few. I say if it's good enough for his Holy Spirit, it's good enough for me. By the way, I got permission to preach this from her. I said, as soon as she came out of house, I said, I'm going to preach that Wednesday. She said, you can. Everybody get that? You feel that? Good. I'm going to tell you this one story, and then we're going to go home. A Canadian soldier was wounded during um, some training maneuvers, and he was ordered to go to the base military hospital for treatment, and when he arrived at the It was this giant, imposing, large hospital, this building, and he saw two doors, and one was marked for the slightly wounded, and the other was for the seriously wounded. And he entered through the first door and found himself going down a long hall. At the end of it, there were two more doors, one marked for officer, and the other marked for non-officers. So he entered through the one that said non-officers and found himself going down another long hall. At the end of it, there were two more doors, and both doors, one was marked for commissioned non-officers, and the other was marked for non-commissioned non-officers. And So he took the second door, and when he opened it, he found himself out on the street. When the soldier returned home, his sergeant asked him, How did you get along at the hospital? And he said, Well, Sarge, to tell you the truth, the people there didn't do anything for me. But you ought to see the tremendous organization they have. (laughs) I don't just want to funnel people down long hallways with marked doors, I want somebody to catch them along the way and say, Are you wounded? you desperate or you needy, I can help you. How do we even know somebody doesn't have to make it to the pastor's office to get help. Somebody doesn't have to make it to the front door to get help. You could stop them in the parking lot. Greet them at the door as they walk in. Stop them as they come to their seat. Worship doesn't even have to start for somebody to get what they've come to church to get. You know how I know this is true? Because the Lord, I can hear the Lord saying to me, "Yeah, that's right. It's true. It's true. Tell him, tell him." Because you are the body of Christ. No more long hauls. No more doors marked. No more shuffling people around or funneling people around. When we've got a net, an amazing network of people sitting here, full of God, with great teaching and insight. Bathe in the presence of God week after week with gifts and talents and things to bring to the table, waiting for what? Waiting to get to my office? Waiting to let that person get to my dad's office or to the administrator or whatever? Why wait? They might get to my office and I might look at them and say, I don't know what to do for you, brother. (laughs) And you might have the answer. You might have been through the same thing they went through. So I ask you as I close tonight, what can you bring to this beautiful exchange that is the body of Christ, that is this community of believers that we call a church? What can you bring? I'm not talking about money, although we'll take that. We'll take every last red cent. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about what you have to offer with your life. And if it's as simple as picking up a broom, pick up that broom and do it like like you are doing it in front of the Grammys or something. Speak, yes, speak speak in tongues the whole time. The rest of the people think you're crazy, but that's better, (laughs) better that way. Are you with me tonight? Stand to your feet.